Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 269 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is an entrepreneur and technologist with over 20 years of experience. He is a master facilitator and the author of three innovation books, Beyond the Prototype, How to Remix Anything, and Start Within. He is also the founder and president of Voltage Control, which is a facilitation agency helping teams to work better together. So welcome to the podcast, Douglas Ferguson. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, Douglas, that's obviously very much a brief intro. Could you perhaps give us a bit of an insight into um, what you're currently doing and a little bit about Voltage Control? Sure, absolutely. Um, I founded Voltage Control about three years ago. As you mentioned, we're a facilitation agency. And what we mean by that is uh, that we help teams come together and solve challenges through better meetings. And that takes on a few different forms. We'll facilitate meetings, experiences, and gatherings for our clients. We'll also train people on how to do these things, how to reimagine their meeting culture, or how to bring on facilitation into their practice. And we believe it's the future of leadership as we become more and more automated, as the, the need to move beyond Taylorist types of, you know, work environments, then, um, then, you know, this facilitated mindset becomes more and more important. And lastly, we transform. And this, this is where we, we help organizations really um, reinvent themselves from a cultural standpoint and from a facilitated leadership mindset perspective. Sure. Do you focus on technology companies or is it broader than that? You know, it's pretty broad from a um, from the types of companies we work with. Now, I end up working with a lot of technology companies because I was a CTO for many, many years. And so yep. that background really kind of speaks to a lot of their needs and interests. And, uh, you know, that said, we, you know, we've worked with some with DOD contractors. We worked with, with uh, public organizations and uh nonprofits and, and government types of organizations. And it really comes down to the fact that all organizations have people. And it's important when you have groups of people that we understand how to do the best work together that we can, that we can so that we get the best outcomes. Yeah. I, I know most organizations obviously see themselves as different to everybody else, but do you find it's the same issues and problems that the that you face when you go into a company to sort out their facilitation issues? Yeah, ultimately the the underlying issues are the same. It's just yeah. the the domain specifics on top. And that's the beauty of the approach that we take, which are we're we don't come in with the answers. We're not consultants. We're we're not a sage from the stage telling you how to do things. We're a guide from the side. We're asking the right questions. We're creating the safe environment, the safe space to have the conversations. And we're, we're using tools to help people collaborate. And, yep. uh, and we have strong belief that the, the capabilities uh, are on the team. The, the team, the company has what they need inside the walls. It's just a matter of how do we extract it? How do we unlock it? Yep. 
Understood. Okay. Um, Douglas, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yeah, you know, I, I got told something really early in my career that really shaped me uh, big time, and, and that was to look outside of my industry. It's really easy to get stuck into, uh, you know, just the going to the same conferences everybody else goes to, listening to the, the same podcasts that are so focused on my industry and the way we do things. And, you know, there's a really a, a amazing uh, um, uh, report that came out by In Incentive that said that 70% of innovations um, already exist. And it was something like 90% of those came from a different industry. So if you start, if you're, if you're working in blockchain, go look and see who's using blockchain to solve problems in agriculture or like some other completely different domain than you're working in. And you'll see some novel thinking because, um, and conferences can be a great way to do that. You know, if you, if you're, uh, in, in, a, in the, if you're an automobile ma- manufacturer, you know, maybe go to an InfoSec conference, you know, step outside of the, the work that you do and see what language people are using, how they're approaching problems and how they're talking about the, the work of the future. Yes, it's often interesting, isn't it, to see what what's sort of in vogue or the latest trend within a different industry to see how that might um, come into your own industry in, in some some way. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, Douglas, can you share with us your worst a career moment and what you learned from that experience. Yeah, you know, I think my worst moments have always been uh, whenever I've let my emotions get the best of me. You know, um, and I, I tend to I tend to go into shutdown when someone's like like t- overbearing or or dresses me down in in public, and um, and I uh, over the years I've become um, more adept at realizing that you know uh, I am. I am a, I am my own self and uh, like how they speak to me don't, doesn't define me. And so moving past some of this imposter syndrome stuff that can really shut, shut you down and really take those moments and, and, and be stronger through them. And so, so when I think about those moments where, where I really struggled and went in shutdown mode where I could have, could have really been prepared and armed with some, some good language to use. And so maybe just from a tactical standpoint, Maybe it's um, even even something as simple as what did you mean by that yeah. um, sh- makes them slow down and have to explain why they did that. And then it also opens the door for someone else in the room to stand up for you and to ha- to face some of those difficult conversations. And so I think that those things can be very defining, like how you navigate some of those interactions and even just doing some some uh, meditation or reflection on, well, if you were to encounter something like that, how might you address it? And I think I, I had never been coached on that and kind of went into several situations where I wasn't prepared. And, um, and so now, now, now I'm prepared. Yep. So you, you, you put together your own strategy effectively to how, for how to deal with those sort of situations. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it is just language, right? Like if yep. you've got a few little, like uh, I call it verbal judo, if you've got some things in your back pocket that you can pull out and use uh, and at the right moment, then it can, it can be really helpful to, uh, to, to move forward. Yeah. Do you find yourself um, less frequently in those situations now, do you feel? Yeah, you know, I do. And I, and I think a lot of it's because of the nuance around having some of those tools and you can de-escalate before it even gets there. And, um, and I, I, 
I think part of it's too is because of maturity and, and also, you know, being able to, uh, you know, build my own company and hire people that I think have, um, a lot of respect for other people and those sorts of things means that I'm less likely to be in those types of situations, yeah. but, but they still pop up from the time to time. And I, I think they don't, they just don't, um, they don't manifest as, um, intensely because I probably d- diffuse it a little bit more quickly. Sure. So you're probably identifying maybe early warning signs, if you like, of, of these things mm-hmm. that are about to happen. Yeah. And in fact, you know, uh, even just saying thanks for the feedback can be a great way <laughs> to just, you know, receive it and let it yeah. sit. And you don't, you know, I'm a problem solver. And I think that is one of the, one of the issues is that I'll, I'll start to, you know, especially earlier in my career, I would, I would want to fix it. And it would just like nag me and nag me if something uh, came to loggerheads and, and no matter what I did, I couldn't fix it. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you had to just come to terms with the fact that you know you just need to receive the feedback, understand it, and move on. And um, th- so that's been a, a, a big awareness as well. Yep. Okay. So moving away from your worst moment, can you tell us about your career highlight to date? Mm. Wow. Yeah. It's it's you know it, it, I always have a hard time you know picking a pinnacle because I feel like the uh, I, I'm a lifelong learner and so I'm always interested in you know, what, what new is out there and how can we, um, how can we really, um, you know, lean in on, on these, uh, these new opportunities, these new doors that are opening. So I don't do a a lot of looking back and saying, Oh, that was, uh, I really, (laughs) I really made it there or whatever. But, you know, there was a really defining moment for me early on where, um, I was at, uh, one of my first startups here in Austin and, we were developing web analytics. Um, this is early in the early days before us. Um, you know, the, at the time there was no Google analytics and there was, um, um, you know, companies like double click and website story and these things that were doing server server log file analysis. And there was some issues there around proxy servers and whatnot that meant that that data wasn't super reliable. And so we were early on experimenting with, uh, you know, one by one transparent pixels that you know now is pretty prevalent yeah. and uh, and we were really enamored with our tech and this is before the day and age of like you know commodity storage and driving prices down so we were using big e10,000 servers emc storage and you know it was quite a technical feat to do some of this stuff whereas nowadays you know with aws and rent a server type stuff and auto scaling you know some of these things are a lot more uh, easily done. And, you know, we had signed Walmart. And so every time Walmart got a hit on their website, we got a hit on our website and we had to scale alongside a lot of these big retail giants. And we were really, uh, proud of our tech. We had some really sophisticated reports and, um, along came this company called Omniture and, you know, they're still around today. Cormetrics did get bought by IBM, but not nearly as much as of a concern as Omniture these days. Right. And, they had created a better user experience and it wasn't clear to, to me at the time. Um, but going through that experience, it really clicked for me, this need to, to balance the technical concerns and the elegance of what you've created and the newness and the novelness of like being able to accomplish something that's never been done before technically with this market need and the design, the, the user experience. And so that was really formative in my early days as an engineer and so I really look back at that fondly um, because I was pretty lucky to get 
to learn that lesson so early in my career. Do you, do you feel that's something that you've taken into what you do now with your new company? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like a lot of times people ask me, like, I'm, I never heard of a CTO running a facilitation agency. You know, a lot of times yeah. facilitators come from, you know, social work, you know, they were maybe a, or they were maybe a trainer um, or a designer, but, but not a lot of like deeply technical folks doing this work. And I just fell in love with, you know, systems design. You know, uh, and, and in fact, the company's named after my modular synthesizer, because I often talk about how when I'm patching the synthesizer, it's a lot like designing organizations or working with teams to make sure that they're um, that they're working as optimally as possible. Because any little change you make in a in a complicated patch with a synthesizer has ripple effects throughout the whole system, yeah. and you have to consider those things. And so, you know, the work that I was doing early on with extreme programming and then agile and, you know, lean and then design sprints, they kind of all fed into each other. And, um, and I think really just speak to my, my just love of helping people be productive, efficient and, and to get important work done. Okay. Um, Douglas, what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? You know, I, I mean, for one thing, if you look at, uh, at how our landscape is shifting due to the COVID and, you know, the companies that have been successful and the ones that get hit harder, I, I think, you know, IT software technology uh, is all supporting the pathway for the future. And, you know, it would, it would be a lot more difficult without, uh, without these technologies and these advancements. I mean, even, even the race for a vaccine is being supported by the, um, by many people that have, um, lots of experience and, and, and it, whether they're in a support function or in a, a directly in a research function, you know, uh, there are uh, you know, applications like fold it. And, you know, even I would say not only it's so academic research support functions, there's also the community, you, you know, volunteers that are running fold it at home, uh, and helping researchers do this work. So yes. it really does create this connected global environment that, you know, is really just profound if you think about it. And that that's really, I think, at the core of what excites me about IT and, and the future. Yeah. Do you feel there's um, any any sort of value in, in the adaptability of IT as well? Because obviously with the, with the changing world, which you just talked about, um, the way we communicate, the way we use systems, it's going to change, isn't it? Oh, yes. If, if there's anything that you can um, expect not to change, that is the fact that things will change, right? <laughs> and um, especially more concerning now, and I, I kind of mentioned Taylorism a little earlier, and, you know, when um, when factories first came about, Frederick Taylor, you know, was in factories with stopwatches, like measuring how fast, people could do things if yep. they took a certain approach and that reductionism really makes a lot of sense when we're dealing with like, you know, factory workers and very repeatable um, tasks and it and technology and, and thought leader thought work doesn't, doesn't follow those rules. And in fact, the more and more that things are changing and the more um, I, I would say interrelated things become, the more and more we are deeply finding ourselves in, in a complex domain. Yep. Um, and that's a nod to complexity science. 
But the, the, the more we're in this complex domain, the more and more we need to realize that, you know, uh, solutions that would work in a complicated domain don't make sense. And in a complex domain, it's all about adaptability. It's all about placing lots of small risky bets, trying things and seeing what works. So having really tight feedback loops, you know, you look at the military, they have the OODA loop. There's, uh, and, you know, agile, we have just development, iterative development. Ultimately, we have to get into some sort of model where we can try lots of things and reduce our risk at the same time. Because in a complex system, what worked yesterday is not guaranteed to work today. Yes, very true. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? Sure, let's do it. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? Oh, wow. Um, I... uh, my father bought a Commodore 64 when I was a young lad yep. and um, I was just intrigued by it. You know, it was, I was always, I mean, maybe you take it back to the, to even earlier days because um, just, I was always very curious and technically minded and, you know, my father grew up on a farm and so he had very much a, a DIY, like anything, we can fix anything kind of mindset. Right. And so often you know, if the car broke down, we were taking it apart and putting it together and like, <laughs> um, or fixing things at the house. And so I already had this like fearlessness about taking things apart and yep. trying to figure out how they work. And then when the computer arrived, that was just a very mysterious thing. Right. It's like, you know, um, it, it like, the, and so I was writing programs in basic that did silly things like just, you know, literally with go to's and print lines just printed out Frankenstein's face or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then, and then it just got more sophisticated. And I think the, uh, in high school, uh, my dad was working, he was a turbine specialist at a power plant and he had some, um, some spreadsheets that he was using to calibrate turbines and things. And, um, and I thought that would be a fun project to try to turn that into an application. So it wasn't just like a, you know, a, it wasn't a spreadsheet. And in retrospect, it probably was just fine being a spreadsheet. <laughs> in fact, I run into so many uh, startup founders and they, they tell me that you wouldn't believe people are using spreadsheets to solve this problem. And we need to write a, an application to, to fix that. And I think to myself, well, often the spreadsheet is just fine. Yes. <laughs> and exactly. So is there enough pain where there's some switching costs there? But, um, but at, to, to say the least, it was, a, it was an excuse for me to learn. And, um, uh, and so I dove into that and, you know, it's, I can't think that kind of shaped my, shaped my interest. And, you know, I, I didn't really look back from, from then on. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think, um, man, I've gotten so much career advice, you know, honestly, I think networking is so key. Um, especially, you know, we were talking about adaptability, complexity, we're talking about this global interconnected community. Um, if that's how the world functions and that's the system we're in, then we really need to make sure that we're building strong relationships so that we can thrive in that environment. And so the meaning that if you have a really strong network um, of folks that understand different things that come from different backgrounds, that network is going to support you and help you. If you are ever in a moment that that you're wrong headed about something, they're going to gut check, you know, they're going to check you on that stuff. 
they're going to maybe give you some perspective that you didn't have. Um, and they can open up doors that maybe would not have been opened up previously, you know, um, just making you aware of opportunities you didn't even know that were there. And so, um, so I highly encourage folks to, to just reach out and, you know, whether it's attending um, a virtual meetup where you um, kind of tap into your local React or Node or, or, uh, or, or whatnot community, um, you know, uh, when you attend conferences, you know, think about the hallway time being as important as it is the the kind of plenary sessions, you know, whether you're watching a, a speak speech or 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 a um, or, or a panel, it's like who you meet in the hallways can be just as important. Yep. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? <laughs> wow. Um, well, as you know, once as a leader, um, I had a, a an engineer that um, had deleted. Um, uh, all our production data data yes by accident <laughs> and i got you know and i just I, I posted it and um it was interesting there was a lot of responses from people saying well you need to fire her or like never let her touch the production database again and i thought wow that's like that's like really bad advice and i knew it right then and luckily i knew it you know my gut told me it was wrong yeah, because if I had followed that advice, I would have missed an opportunity to to really support one of the best engineers that what turned out to be one of the best engineers we had on the team. And having lived through that experience, that was that was formative for her, right? And and so she had an opportunity to to um, to experience like the, the the just the pit in your stomach when something like that happens. Yeah, and so you know she has a scar that she can take into her work now going forward. And, you know, it was up to me to make sure that she had the right coaching and was going into it with the right mindset before I just knee jerked said like, Oh, this person makes bad decisions. Yeah. This person got really unlucky and was maybe a, um, a little sloppy, but now is like, you know, that was the, that was the thing that clicked. And, you know, I've, I've never seen some, someone, be um as diligent if you will like because she's like i'm never going through that again and so um so yeah i think uh i think that's the first thing that comes to mind you know it's just um everyone was so ready just to like you know um you know burn it down fire you know and it's like man it's like these learning opportunities can be really valuable versus like starting over scratch with someone new exactly yeah if you were to begin your it career again in today's world what would you do Oh, wow. Um, you know, if I was starting today, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really fascinated with, um, with AI and machine learning and specifically, um, the ethics and the, you know, anti-bias around this stuff, because yeah. we're in a really formative, uh, place here. And I think that's probably where I'd spend a lot of my time. Um, and, you know, frankly, I've, I've done some reading on it, um, I love the book, Our Last Invention. It's so fantastic. Um, and I think if I were starting over, I think I'd be voraciously diving into that and kind of figuring out what little niche can I carve out for myself in that whole whole space. Yep. And what um, career objectives are you currently focusing on? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm three years into a new company. And honestly, right now, uh, well, over the past three months, it's just been navigating, you know, this giant um, pivot that 
kind of got thrust upon us because a large portion of our revenue uh, was from in-person events. So we, we, we held conferences, one for CTOs, uh, one for facilitators, and uh, we held big, large training. So we'd have like upwards to 100 or more people in a, in a room together, you know, doing a giant workshop to, to build skills. And we had to retool all of that. And, you know, we were no strangers to remote work because our team's entirely distributed, but we weren't doing large format, long extended workshops virtually uh, because it was just, it made more sense to bring people together to do those things. Yeah. And, you know, we would do a lot of business development, small workshops to, to help people understand how we work, to plan things. We have this mantra, this meeting mantra that's do the work in the meeting. So we were, all of our meetings were always about driving results and output. So we're no, no strangers to those tools and how to work. We just had to, to update our marketing, to really repackage things and redesign stuff for, for longer formats, more, more extended time, larger groups of people. And it took a lot of work. And then also, you know, having to re-engage um, with clients that were also struggling with the stuff and trying to figure it out and simultaneously supporting our community of facilitators who are all losing lots of work, uh, very uncertain of where things are going to go, um, uh, you know, just overwhelmed by what all this means and trying to make sense of it all. And so we were, we were holding weekly sessions for them to come together and, and support that community. And so it's been an exhausting time, essentially pivoting the company in a way. And now we're starting to see a lot of more traction and, you know, people are realizing that, you know, it's going to be a bit longer and they've also gotten comfortable with how they, their day-to-day functions. And so now they're taking a look at like, how, how do we now level up and do more? And yes. so we're, uh, we're seeing that start to open. And so that's my, my main focus is making sure we continue to deliver uh, our level of excellence that, you know, uh, that we're known for. And, um, and then, um, you know, I'm still kind of watching that uh, deal flow very closely because um, I'll switch back into growth mode once I'm very confident in the stability there. So, yeah. so I, as a leader, I'm like kind of managing, thinking about cash flow and thinking about like when, when to shift more from, from a focus on execution to a little focus, on, a little more focus on growth. And so that's kind of where I'm balancing things at the moment. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I think uh, it would have to be my ability to synthesize quickly and on the fly. And, um, and you know, it's, uh, how the speed of processing information. And often I would find myself in meetings. And this was very, even very early in my career where I'd hear two people talking and, you know, they were in you know, what crucial conversations refers to as violent agreement, but like they were seeming to disagree. Yeah. So on the surface, you were, you would think, wow, these people are like, like they're about to to fight here. Um, but I, you know, looking at a layer deeper, like, well, they're saying the same thing just differently. And there's, or there's maybe one little thing that's kind of irrelevant that they're kind of, that's causing them to misunderstand each other. And then likewise, I would see situations where people were like, about ready to ratify a decision, but it was very clear to me that they were thinking of it differently. Yes. And so yeah. this ability to recognize those things and to then, you know, step up and say, hold on, let's like stop for a second and let me verify what I'm hearing. So part of it's active listening. And then there's also this ability to synthesize quickly. 
and to detect some of these patterns. And I think that, you know, that is what um, really drew me into the career of facilitation because facilitation is all about being able to do those things. Yep. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I think it's about learning new things. You know, uh, my wife always uh, gives me a hard time because I've got stacks and stacks of books around and, <laughs> yeah. uh, and she's like, you never read these things. And, you know, I read an article, not maybe, maybe it's about a year ago now that said that, um, you know, having a bunch of books you haven't read around you is actually a good thing because it, um, it keeps, um, it keeps you humble. So there's a humility associated with this notion that like, Oh, there's all this stuff I still don't know. And, um, and so that can be actually very inspiring because in any moment you can say, that's what I need right now. And we kind of dive into it and, and flip through it. And so I think the, um, to me, uh, it's all about just continuously learning and, and finding what's maybe new out there to, to dive into. And I will say that, um, having, having little side projects can be a lot of fun. And so right now I've, um, in order to make our workshops our virtual workshops, more fun, engaging, and compelling. I really dove into OBS, which is the software that a lot of Twitch streamers use. Uh, it's open source software for basically um, almost like running a TV station where you can kind of create scenes and switch between different scenes and layouts and text over top of your image and picture in picture. And um, I've really been enjoying configuring that and does, um, building, I built a, I'm, I'm been using PCs for, I'm sorry, Macs for years, um, even though I was historically a PC guy. And, you know, I've just recently built a PC. So that was fun diving back into that land um, just to just to get the OBS stuff working even better. And then, so I think it's about like finding like um, inspiration and in little pockets and, and just exploring those things. Even if it's not super clear that there's a direct line between that and you know, some, um, uh, you know, profit or some, you know, career advancement or raise or something, but because becoming well-rounded will make you much more attractive and much more, um, valid and, and, you know, important to the organization. And I think that's, that will be recognized. Yes. Yeah. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? I love to box. Um, I, I don't do sparring, but I love to put the gloves on and yeah. just go to town on the heavy bag with some loud music. Um, I'll, I'll dabble in some Pilates as well. Um, I'm a musician. And so uh, we'll patch up my modular synthesizer and, you know, play guitar, et cetera. So those, those are my, those are my main hobbies to, to kind of just disconnect from stuff. And I'm a big fan of what I call active meditation. And so what are the things that I can do to occupy my hands and my mind that get me out of whatever problem I'm trying to work through. And so the boxing is an example of physical exertion to the point where you can't think about anything else because you're just trying to breathe. Yes. And, um, and, and then the synthesizer is, you know, I'm just totally engulfed by deciding how to tweak the, and, and following the flow of, like how the um, electricity is reacting in these different modules. And, and, and so I get lost in that. And so all of it's a way of kind of shifting the brain to um, it's active meditation is how I like to refer to it. Yep. 
Douglas, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience? Yeah, I, you know, I'll just come back to the facilitation piece. Um, if there is one skill that is going to be critical in the future work, it's facilitation. As we have more and more um, automation where you know, AI is taking on more uh, and more of the work that we do, you know, there's going to be a, a bifurcation where some more, there's going to be plenty of jobs that get deeply, deeply technical. They're almost going to be technicians for these things that we're developing. And then, then we're going to get more and more, um, there's going to be more and more need for the soft skills. And, um, and so when you think about that dynamic, plus this notion that the, um, a lot of the work's getting automated, well, we really need to rely on the things that make us the most human. And, uh, well, the things that are, that differentiate us from the machines. And I think that, that is novel thought, creative solutions, innovation. Yeah. And facilitation, bringing groups together to think through challenges and opportunities and to have, to tap into that intelligence that we develop together, that we call it the room intelligence. And if you're able to do that, then, um, then really amazing things can happen even beyond your wildest dreams. And so I just encourage people to lean more into that as they think about their, um, their journey on leadership is how can we unleash everyone Okay. And Douglas, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? Absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn and, you know, I love to connect with people there. So I love for folks to reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can also find me at voltagecontrol.com and I'm at Douglas at voltagecontrol.com if anyone would like to email me. Douglas, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. It's been great being here. Thanks for having me. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.